Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hey everyone before we get started i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, <clears throat> really hope that's us, and access to our community discord and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. Come hang out with us. We love Blue Wire. You won't be disappointed. This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Matt Loss special edition this time, Dan. Uh, I don't know if anyone realizes this, but you're a bit of a hero waking up at the crack of dawn, maybe even pre-dawn for these things, West Coast. I, I just thought I'd give you a little gratitude. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, the, I think the real hero is Matt Law continuing to come back and uh, no. hang out with us in the, the early morning our time. <laughs> we're waking up, we're having our coffee, and Matt's already, like, he's in the day. He's got it going on. Yeah, it's easy for, it's easy for me, though. It's easy. It's, it's afternoon here. Things are winding down. It's okay. Well, good. Well, we appreciate it. Obviously, you being able to to sit down and chat with us uh, today, listeners. We don't have all the formalities that we always do, but we are gonna we gotta open this up as a mailbag to Matt. So, there are a lot of questions from you, the listeners out there. Uh, specifically, though, we'll talk about how the board feel about Tuchel's first month in his role. Continue the conversation about Holland and Chelsea's star striker search, and the situations of Tammy Abraham and Akim Ziyech and others. Uh, but before we get into that, Nick. We now have a mutual interview with Matt, which to me is a big deal. But Fick, one of our all-time all-time favorites, 
So true. We we did a uh, for our Chelsea DNA series. We had an interview with Thick in late 2019 that we were really excited about. Matt, you just got to talk to uh, to Thick as he's over in uh, in Milan for his his loan spell with AC Milan. Can you maybe share a couple of fun anecdotes uh, that didn't quite make the the full interview? Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy because I had well over an hour with him on Zoom. He was, I mean, as you guys know, he's 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 genuinely genuinely is a, a lovely, lovely guy, uh, very intelligent as well. You know, I think sometimes we can stereotype footballers a little bit, but he's an incredible, intelligent lad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, first of all, before I get into the funny, that, that came across because when I spoke to him, he'd literally just finished his latest um, Italian lesson, which he's having to do on Zoom because of obviously restrictions with distancing and everything. Um, he's having four or five lessons a week. I mean, he'd be having them every day, apart from the fact he, he can't really have them on game days and when they travel for Europa games and stuff like that. Um, so... He's doing an awful lot of work behind the scenes and learning the language. He's absolutely adamant. He wants to speak it fluently. You know, whatever happens with his future, which he's reluctant to to make any declarations about now because it's too early. But even if he were to come back to Chelsea, he wants to come back a fluent Italian speaker. Um, And I think he will do. I think he will do because he's an intelligent lad and he's really putting time into it. I mean, in terms of funny stories, I, I had so much material for this this interview. I had like 10,000 words of quotes and my entire article could not be over about 2,000 words. So it was a tough editing process. Um, he spoke a lot about Zlatan and I got some of the Zlatan stories in, into the, the piece. But one of the Zlatan stories that ended up on the cutting room floor, I think really gave a flavour of why for Fick and hopefully for Chelsea, let's hope he comes back, hopefully for Chelsea this loan will be amazing because he was describing to me what, how you learn off, off, uh, off Zlatan. And um, I asked him if you're allowed to tackle Zlatan in training. And he said, well, you are, but it's pretty difficult to do so. But he said <laughs> the biggest thing he finds in training is that, that Zlatan, he said, for instance, on, on corner routines, they have these corner routines where Zlatan apparently stands at the near post and he will surreptitiously while the corner's being taken, managed to make his way back to the back post, where apparently if you watch a lot of Zlatan set-piece goals, he, he has quite a lot of success at scoring goals like this. And, and Fick said, just learning in training to try and work out his movements and work out either how to stop him going to the back post or stop the ball getting to the back post for him. Um, that's just one little example. And he said he, he's learned absolutely loads from that. Um, he's learning an awful lot, he said, he said what, what he found was that he's very well suited to the Premier League because he's quick and he feels he's, he's good physically, which is all, all everything we associate with the Premier League, really. He said the amount of time they spend on the training ground in terms of positional sense and talking as well about where you should be and when, he said it's been an absolute eye-opener for him. The only, the only thing he related it to was he said he remembered as, as an 18-year-old at Chelsea when Conte was there. He was part of the first team squad, even though he didn't really play under Conte. And he said, even if Chelsea won 3-0, the next morning Conte would come in and get all the defenders together and talk them through in minute detail if they'd even just been standing in the wrong position for for two seconds. And he said it wasn't always popular because obviously if you won 3-0 and you've played well, you you maybe don't want a guy telling you 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 were just standing in 
the wrong position in minute 61 and nothing really happened, but it might do in the next game. But he said Conte was like that. And he said, being in Italy, it, it's all like that. And he said he's he's just learning so much. I, I, it, it must be like a sponge for him to taking it all in. And, you know, he, he's he's played a lot of games already since he's been out there. He sadly didn't play in the Milan derby in the end. But to be honest, even if he doesn't play that much more, which I think he will, um, the experience in terms of language and learning and working with people like Zlatan, he's, he talks to Maldini every single day. Maldini goes down to the training ground and helps him. I mean, you, you can't buy that kind of thing, can you? It's incredible. Well, what, what a way to start off a show. So that brings us into a wonderful, at least great little bit of care package information about our boy Fick and how he's doing over at Milan. And that's an exciting thing to, to hear about. But we're going to refocus it back in on the current situation. And again, this is a mailbag episode. So we got a lot of questions from uh, Everything Blue, Jack and, and EGM. who Basically, just we're all asking the same question is, how is the board feeling about Thomas Tuchel? I mean, I think we as fans have a feeling. I mean, some people uh, love the, the love that we're winning. Some people hate the way we're doing it. Some people are just, you know, happy to see an uptick in form. But how is the board, how is the ultimate judge and jury uh, viewing his performance? Well, I, right. Before I say anything, what I would say, what I've always been struck by with Chelsea over the years, got a best feeling for the board and a, a better feeling for how they view things. They don't get carried away. They've, they've seen it all before. They've seen good starts before. They've seen bad runs before. They've seen the, the team looking like they're going to go on and dominate football for five years before and then and then not managing to do it. So they're so experienced in this kind of situation that they definitely don't get carried away. So I, I know for a fact they're pleased. Of course they're pleased. They're, you know, until... The Southampton game, they'd, they'd already got back into the top four. The win in Atletico was massive. That will have pleased him greatly. And I think as well, as much as the results will have pleased them, the way he's reintegrated certain players into the squad will have pleased them. His squad management will have pleased them. But they don't get carried away. They won't be jumping up and down. They won't be taking anything for granted because they've been here before and they know that usually when they make a managerial change, it does have an impact on results. And they also know that that can slide away and that there's still a lot of work to do. So, look, they're happy, but they're not jumping up and down, patting themselves on the back, calling themselves geniuses. They're not that kind of board at all. They're very, they're actually, for all we hear about the trigger-happy nature of, of Roman Abramovich and stuff as a board, they're very pragmatic. Um, and they'll be pleased, but they'll be taking a pragmatic view, knowing that, there's challenges around the corner. And as we stand at the end of February, even with the good work that Tuchel's done in a month, they haven't actually achieved anything. And there's, there's every opportunity for them to go on and make this now a very good season. There's equally every opportunity that it could end up no better than it, than it might have done without the change. So they'll be pragmatic. Here's, here's a fun joke, Brennan. I just thought of this. What, what's Roman's favorite board game? <laughs> Sorry? No. Yahtzee? No, nobody with this new have you hmm. new yacht? Wow. Nobody? Dear, oh dear. No? <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm not in those circles, Nick. I apologize. All right. All right. Look, uh, there will be some listeners who appreciate that. You better um, hope anyway, so. Keep keep it going. I think that's gotta be a yellow card offense, that one. <laughs> <laughs> one more and you're off. 
All right. Yeah, good. Thank you. You know what, man? I like this. I like been this. Been off for years now, Matt. I've been off for years. <laughs> um, all right. We actually kind of, after you, you stirred the pot with uh, Holland last episode, and, and now everyone wants to know. And by the way, I think Lukaku even had to speak on potential Chelsea return, thanks to, I think, you <laughs> peddling that accidentally. But anyways, a lot of listeners, uh, Baseman93, Cal... Uh, Bella, Marv, and Matt, and then Big Skillet all asking about Erlen Holland and and Riola and the hundred million pound question. I it it seems like a million, lot. Nobody's nobody's buying him for a hundred million this summer. One hundred fifty million, and once you put all the wages and the fees and everything in, well over two hundred million. So, and that's just for Riola. I mean, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't even mention the player. Exactly. So, you know, when you talk 100 million, let's double that immediately in terms of what this deal will cost minimum if anyone is going to do it this summer. So, like, I was going to say, like, I mean, this this will be a huge one. Like, he'll be the number one, you know, transfer target for probably most teams in Europe, really. Coming out of COVID, not really sure if fans are coming back. The loss of match day revenue has significantly hurt all teams, you know. Is this, I mean, I guess, how likely is this? Or is there maybe some way there's even a bargain buy option because of all these extenuating circumstances? There's no bargain buy, no chance bargain buy. Um, with Raiola involved and with, if you want him this summer before, I mean, the theory goes that Dortmund might sell him this summer because they know that they can probably get double what the release clause is for the following summer. So, you know, it, it, it's they, they stand to lose maybe 70 to 80 million pounds by keeping him for another summer because then that release clause comes in. So there's no way you're getting a cheap deal. And, and you know, in fairness to Dortmund, they, they tend to either stand firm on their players as they did with Jaden Sancho last summer or they, they get top dollar. So that you, you're not going to get a bargain. Rayola said this week 10 clubs. I don't see 10 clubs being able to afford afford that deal realistically. I mean, obviously it's in his interest to drive an auction, but I don't I don't realistically see even four English clubs. I, I can't see Liverpool putting up that kind of money. So you you've got United Chelsea, possibly City. Although I I think City are even reluctant because of Obviously, all their problems they've had in the past with FFP, they get looked at very hard on these. I mean, City are clearly going to make strides in the transfer window, but I'm not so sure on them. But so I think you've got two or three in the Premier League tops. Then if you look around Europe, it's hard to know whether Barcelona or Real Madrid can because they're both of those clubs are in all kinds of debt. But I don't know. I don't cover Spanish football, so I don't know the ins and outs of how they can refinance that debt or bring in sponsorship deals that could bring in there may be ways for them to do it but it looks harder than previously for one of those just to go and say here's 150 million pounds because they've got they've both got big financial difficulties then you've got a Juventus and I, I suppose the other one that might be interesting is whether PSG get themselves into the conversation if Mbappe goes somewhere else that could affect things too the, the future of Mbappe could ha- also have a knock-on effect so I don't see 10. I, I think that's wishful thinking from Raiola, and I think that's driving an auction. I see five, six, realistically, and then even then, when you get to the real nitty-gritty, you probably get down to two or three in terms of the real auction. So with that being said, like how I guess 
how are Chelsea still so strong in this position? I mean, to your point, Liverpool, if they can't go for Timo Werner at $55 million, there's no way they're going for Erling Haaland. But is it just Roman saying, you know what? Torres 2.0, I really like this striker. Here's a check. Go get him. It, it, it pretty much is that. Yeah. I mean, it's like Havertz in the summer. You know, I, I don't want to cause a controversy here. I'm not saying that Frank didn't want him at all, but clearly Roman um, got, got a liking for Havertz and decided to just go and put the, the money up for him and do it. Um, and it feels like there's a similar a similar personal involvement in the, this Haaland interest. As the words I would say, you bring up Torres, I would maybe compare it more to 2012 with Hazard. You know, that, that, that 35 million now doesn't seem like very much money, but I remember back in 2012, that, that deal seemed enormous at the time. And there was a similar auction going on around him, you know, all the top clubs in Europe, who was going to get Hazard and, um, Chelsea won the Europe, the Champions League, which helped, but obviously Roman put the money down. And they also, which was key, um, they were willing to pay the agent more than anyone else on Hazard. And again, that that could decide it on Haaland because we've, we've been here before with Raiola on Lukaku. More and more these days with these deals, whoever's willing to pay the agent the most amount of money has a big advantage. Traditionally, over the last few seasons, Chelsea have shied away from that. So that that's my follow, right? Uh, if not, not to say that the past is a precedent, but if Chelsea have shied away from that, Matt, do you see do you see them breaking stride to to try and get this one over the line? If if, if Roman really wants to do it, then then yes. And if they feel they can, you know, a bit like I know we haven't seen the best of Havertz. I still think from everything I hear about Havertz and from seeing him last season and, and talking to people who, who know the game far better than I, I, I still believe that Havertz will prove in time to be incredible value for many and an incredible player for Chelsea. And a bit like he was viewed as a generational talent last summer. I mean, Haaland clearly is. And these players don't come up for sale very often. You know, just think back, just imagine if Chelsea had have had a chance to sign Messi, if Chelsea had had a chance to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, they did have a chance to sign Hazard and they did. And, while he was at Chelsea for the last three or four years, he was probably the third best player in the world. Haaland's that that case. And once he moves after this transfer, this next move, you're not going to get another chance to sign him, maybe ever, because he will be at a huge club, trying to then get him out nigh on impossible. So this this could be a once in a decade sort of sort of chance. And the last time that happened was probably, like I say, when Hazard came up, and that was basically a decade ago. Well, and that's, I mean, we're talking about Tuchel's style and some of the results. Dan, I think this is maybe one area where he could be for, forgiven is that we don't have, as it stands, as we look at form, we don't have like a pure match winner on the team like we did when we had Hazard. And, you know, the, Holland to me represents that. A match winner. And he seems to pull goals out of his back pocket for fun. And, uh, you know, we have not had <laughs> much love in that regard so far this season, uh, or particularly in the last uh, few months. So I, I can see why all the interest would be there. But uh, I think we need to take a quick break, though, Brandon, before we jump into some next questions. Still about strikers, though. Mm. Keep it going. You know what to do. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we'll be right back. No, thank you. No appreciation, Dan. <laughs> These sponsors are literally the ones keeping 
keeping you afloat. All right, look, <laughs> everybody, we have a quick ad break, but there's so much more when we come back, right? We've got alternative solutions, the Tammy situation, is it a situation? And Chili B and Akim Ziyech, what's going on with them? There's, there's so much more. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Did, did I accidentally stir pot, Matt? Is there a Tammy situation? I mean, the score, Techie Tiger, Zabo, the Rex, Mr. Thurman, Tony, Instinct Ratio. They want to know if Holland isn't the an, a real option or it doesn't happen. Is there an alternative slash is Tammy the alternative? Well, look, if... If Haaland doesn't happen, and what I would want to say after all that chat about Haaland is I'm I'm not saying I think it will happen at this stage and in, in, at the end of February. All I know is that, that Chelsea are very much interested in him. I don't know either way whether that will happen. We will start to get a clearer picture, I'd imagine, in, in two or three months um, as the season pans out and, you know, things just start to get a little bit closer to... to nitty gritty um there will definitely be there will definitely be alternatives i can't imagine for one minute that if they can't get harlan they just won't sign a striker i mean Giroud, god bless him is incredible but he turns 35 in september doesn't mean he can't stay for another year but that clearly there has to be some succession planning going on there and then Secondly, Tammy's a really interesting situation. I think people have got a little bit carried away with Tammy over the last couple of days. Um, there seems to be a suggestion out there that he he won't discuss a new contract. I'm I'm not convinced that that's quite the case. Um, I don't think either he or the club are in a particular rush to at the moment. But it's going to be a big summer for him because he will have two years left on his, his current contract at the end of the season, which is tends to be the time with two years to go when people start talking. Um, you don't want it to run into its final 18 months or final 12 months. He's on, look, he's on around 70 grand a week, which is good money. But, you know, there are his contemporaries, even his academy graduate contemporaries like, like Callum, who are on an awful lot more than him. So clearly there's an issue with his, his wages. And He's a really odd subject, Tammy, because I feel I always feel a little bit sorry for him. And I do have a bit of a bias towards Tammy because he was great for my club filler. And so I have an emotional attachment to Tammy Abraham that maybe I wouldn't have with, with some other Chelsea players. But he was top scorer last season. Whatever you say about him maybe petering out a little bit last season, he was still top scorer last season. Um, is he still top scorer now, or is it is has he been overtaken? It's very close, I know that. But if he, if he's not top scorer now, certainly a week or so ago he was top scorer. It's probably mm. Alonso. Jeez. <laughs> um, and I mean, he. It's very odd situation. There aren't very many clubs in the Premier League or in Europe where there'd be so much doubt cast about the guy who's been top top scorer last season and, and top scorer in the current season. So I would, I'd like to see a little bit more love for Tammy, if I'm honest with you. And I, I, I don't know Tammy that well, but my impression of Tammy is that he certainly loves, he's so determined to make a go of it at Chelsea. He's made that clear. And I think he is a fighter. And I think if Harlan came in, he would fight for his place. I don't think he would just give up and say, oh, I'm not staying then. I think he would want to fight for his place. Um, he's fought for his place this season well. So <clears throat> I don't think it's as clear cut that if Chelsea sign a striker, Tammy Abraham will want to leave. 
if Tammy Abraham doesn't play any football, Tammy Abraham will want to leave. But signing a new striker doesn't necessarily mean that Tammy Abraham will never play any more football again. You know, these, these are big squads. Tuchel and different coaches are very clever guys about the way they use their squads, about the formations they play. I think it's a little bit strange thinking just to think, oh, well, if we, we buy a striker, the other striker has to leave. For, for a team that struggled with goals, getting rid of a 23-year-old striker who can score goals would seem foolish on the surface. He's, well, but. He's, he's on 12 goals, 4 assists in all competitions, which leads over Olivier Giroud on 11, Timo Werner on 10. And he's also the leader in the Premier League specifically. I think he has seven in the league, um, which is the team's top top number. He has six. So he has six goals, one assist. Timo Werner has five goals, five assists. And good old Jorginho with five penalties this season, <laughs> tied for second. Oh, it's actually an important note, right? Tammy is not a penalty taker. Yeah. He's Dan's yeah. dream striker. No penalties <laughs> involved in the number. Um, so, it, it, yeah, look, I, I'm with you, Matt. I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I – appreciate Tammy Abraham for all of the contributions that he has made to this point. I think he has 31 career Chelsea goals now, uh, which is nothing to sniff at considering we didn't know if he was going to return from loan at the beginning of last season. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty amazing accomplishment to see him kind of rebound from the lull of last spring to, to where he is now. And I just hope he continues to get opportunities, frankly, because uh, I think that's the only thing that's going to help him along. I mean, He's a young guy. He needs he needs reps. So um, let, let's talk. Let's talk. Chillwell. <laughs> Incredibly curious. This uh, he was Frank's. You know, if, if you are to to believe some of the stuff of the summaries, Frank's number one target at left back might have been the number one target overall, just considering the the need there uh, from last season. And since Tuchel has come in, has looked. Uh, very unsure uh, while on the field and has been left out more often than not. So, uh, you know, we got this question from Edric and Dusty. What What are your thoughts on Chilwell, uh, Matt, and what What might he do to improve his chances of playing? Uh, I'd imagine they're working hard with him in training about playing as a wing back because he doesn't look comfortable as a wing back when he does have to play there. Um, and so the, the system change has really, really hurt Ben Chilwell. I can't imagine for a minute that if they were playing a back four that, that Ben Chilwell wouldn't be playing because, you know, Marcus Alonso can't play as a left back, quite frankly. Um, and Ben Chilwell is an excellent left back. He'd already shown that this season. So I think as much as anything, the change of formation, the change back to that sort of Conte um, defensive system with the wing backs has, has really hurt uh, ben Chilwell. I, I can't believe that this is for the long term. You know, the, the club have invested £50 million in him. He played exceptionally well when he first came into the side. He is, like I say, clearly a very, very good left back. So I, I, I think this is temporary and I think there's probably a lot of work going on with him at the training ground. Clearly, he doesn't quite do what Tuchel wants him to do at the moment. Um, and his strengths don't quite match what, what Tuchel wants in either a left-back or a left-wing-back. But I, I think he will, long-term, I think he will, will reclaim his place and, and it will be fine. Um, but he's got a... The challenge for Tuchel now is this is the man-management side. He's got to keep Ben 
venture well positive. He's got to keep him engaged. He's got to keep him feeling that he will get another opportunity because you don't want a new signing who, let's remember as well, still hasn't even played in front of the, the club's fans. You know, it's, it's weird for these new signings who came in. They still haven't really played in front of a full Stamford Bridge or anything. And you, you don't want him to feel that he's he's not part of this current Chelsea team. So I think the job really for, for Tuchel is man managing it. But I, I I still believe that Chilwell will be Chelsea's le- long-term left back or left wing back and that there's just a lot of work going on with him at the training ground at the moment. I also think as well, he is a player who's, who has suffered over the last year, both at Leicester and at Chelsea, a lot of injury problems. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it might actually do him good in the long run, this this break of working on the training ground more and not playing game after game, because he was picking up a lot of little niggling injuries and, and having to go off in games, both for England, both for Chelsea before that, obviously he'd had his Leicester injury. So again, this might benefit him in the long term. But I, I'm I'm still positive about Ben Chilwell, although I do feel a little bit sorry for him because the system change has really hurt him. The funny thing about that is Tuchel, similarly to Mourinho, wants X amount of players about six foot or over to defend set pieces, right? And so Alonso checks a couple boxes. There's a theory out there, Matt, that Tuchel is just taking what he has and getting through the rest of the season. He's not really looking to implement a lot of changes. He's just saying, you know what? Maybe we'll do an Antonio Conte 2.0 just through this season. This summer, though, I'm building my team. One, two signings come in. Maybe there's some height in there. Chili B could be right back in at left back. And Tuchel's like, all right, now we're playing my 4-2-2-2 or whatever he wants to do, kind of like really mold this team. Do you feel like that's like could be something that maybe Ben Chilwell and some other players, maybe even in Golo Conte, they aren't playing as much as you would expect to. And he's like, hey, as weird as this sounds, we just got to get through this season and then I have big plans for you. Or do players not, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, I, I don't think players would necessarily want to hear that. I, the short-term nature of football and coaching, I don't I don't think, it's, it's very difficult to trust the whole, well, we'll just get through this now, but don't worry, I've got a plan for you because you never know whether they'll, be around to exercise that plan or not and, and things like that. So I don't think players would particularly buy into that. I, I do. I mean, we spoke about it last week about the fact that whether it'd be really interesting in the long run to know whether what Tuchel is doing now is a bit of a sticking plaster and a way of achieving what the club want to achieve uh, and not letting the season fall away or whether it's his long, whether what we're seeing now is actually his long-term plan only time will tell on that. It's impossible to say. Um, what I have heard, I mean, th- th- there's not been a lot of intel coming out from the, the Chelsea training ground, which is always the way when there's been a change, everything shuts down for a while and it, it gets a little bit quiet and everyone's very careful. But what I have heard, which I was interested in at the training ground, is that there's a lot of work being done at the training ground on, on various things. But I think the surprising thing some people have, have said is that um, it's not as tactical as they thought they're too cool to start with this, but way more emphasis on the cuddles, on the smiles, on having a bit of fun. The small footballs, mm. even though that's for technique, I think that was seen as a little bit of fun. He seems to have worked more on lifting the mood and trying to make people feel good than he has come in and, and you know, made them sit through masses of tactical sessions and videos and things like that. There's an element of that going on as there always would be, but I, I, I'm told that uh, the emphasis has been far more on the atmosphere and the confidence than it has been on the technical side. And that would strike me as a short-term thing. He's obviously come in and thought, 
what can I make an immediate impact on? Well, we've got a game every three days. There's no way in a million years I can implement all my tactical ideas. What I can do is try and make everyone feel good. So uh, another player who maybe is, uh, you know, in in the cold at the moment, you know, Hakim Ziyech is one that uh, has not had a ton of opportunity. Uh, he's had two starts and, and two appearances off the bench for 15 minute cameos under under Tuchel. And so uh, uh, CFC OD was asking just Ziyech leaving. That was the statement because there's been Jeez. a lot of kind of conversation about that. Um, what do you think the the situation looks like with Ziyech right now? It's, it is what it, it is. What it is. Like, that's a really boring answer, but it, it is what it is. He's he's uh, He doesn't quite fit that system well. He's not quite among the starters, but he's been getting on ahead of... What I would say is it's, I think it's been noticeable he's been getting on ahead of Pulisic lately. Um, in the last couple of games, he's, he seems to have just maybe edged his way slightly up the pecking order in terms of the order of the substitutes and things. Um, I, the most interesting thing about Ziyech is that, you know, a couple of months ago, we were talking about how important he had been for Lampard's system. You know, he he came in and did really well in Lampard's system. And when he then got injured, it was around the time of the slump and it looked like they were really missing him. And now, you know, a new manager comes in and the formation changes and all of a sudden it's hard to see where he actually plays in it. Um, look, it's way too early to talk about Ziyech leaving or anything like that. They'd, and again, I mean, it will all rest on on what the long-term plan is. If the long-term plan is to play two tens behind one striker, then they have too many sort of wide players at the club because there's always going to be at least one player not even ever getting off the bench. Um, but you've got to think there's going to be some flexibility there. And, you know, Ziyech has said himself he wants to fight. Um it's far. It, frankly, it makes me laugh slightly when I, I see stuff like Ziyech is leaving. We're, we're in February. The managers, new manager's been here one month. You know, let's give it a little bit of time. He he has probably had the worst kind of run of most players, unfortunately, and I think that's why people are compounding it. I mean, what is it like? The twenty six times he gave away the ball in the in the last FA Cup match was obviously a bad day out. But he hasn't had very many opportunities. So part of it is like since he's had such a small window and one was really, really bad, you know, what you can't really extrapolate that data. But yeah, if that's his new norm, he probably won't be around very long. But no one believes that that's his norm or that's where he's going to regress to. Um, well, good old loan army. I know it's not as big as it used to be, but we we still have some loanies to talk about. So Shane and Reese asking... Um, about Mark Gurhi specifically, or even Dealer's Choice, Matt. Reese wants to know, is there another loan E that maybe we're not thinking above? Mm. We like Trev Shalaba in France, personally, um, that you have an eye on that you feel like could come in and have an impact in Chelsea? Not really, <laughs> to, to be quite frank. Um, I thought for but- sure you are going to say Ross the Boss. Oh, I don't know what's happened to Ross. Ross is Ross is having a terrible time. He's um, he's in danger of letting his career go a little bit. That he's going to get dropped by Villa if he's not careful. He's really bad time lately. Um, Mark is the pronunciation Gurhi. I don't usually have to worry about pronunciations because I write my names rather than having to say them. So <laughs> I've always kind of said Mark Gway, but maybe it is Mark Gurhi. But he's the most interesting because. He's done superbly and the club really rate him. 
Now, that will be a very interesting situation at the summer. I don't see him now. I think when Lampard was manager, there might have been an, an opportunity for him to come in as into the squad as fourth choice centre-back for next season or fifth choice. I don't see that happening now. So it's it's whether they loan him again and you would imagine the next the next step would be to get him a Premier League loan or a loan at a, um, a top division in, in Europe, which they've done before, or to sell him with a buyback agreement in, which again, I think would be an option. Um, so, which they did with Ake, obviously with Bournemouth, they didn't end up taking it up, but I think that's another revenue they could look at. So, of all the loanees at the moment in terms of his future and in terms of working out how Chelsea don't potentially let him go, but also keep developing him and, and wait for space in their squad, I think he's the most interesting. Um, Ruben, I don't quite know what will happen to Ruben at the end of the season. Um, he's doing okay at Fulham. He's, he's, he's doing quite well. Um, he's not ripping it up, but he's, he's doing quite well and Fulham are doing well. But I don't think he's doing well enough that... Chelsea will necessarily be changing their plans for him. And I look at, I don't know whether Ruben can have another loan. I don't know whether he would want to. I, I wonder whether in the summer they've got to have some really difficult conversations and Ruben's got to wonder whether he actually needs to move on full time and, and try and go and make a career of himself elsewhere. Again, they could look for a buyback agreement with, within any deal. But part of me thinks for Ruben that he would actually be best trying to find that club now rather than keep flirting around the edges of Chelsea and keep going on loan that really find a manager who who wants to trust in him, who wants to invest in him and and go and make his career. Ruben breaks my heart on those just because of like, it's not his fault that he hasn't been successful, like the body breaking down. But I think you're right. I've had like those hard conversations to my head being like, Ruben, buddy, you, you, we might have to let you go so you can go live up to some potential and then hopefully bring him back if it works out. But just for like his mental stability and things like that, it's got to be tough because he's so emotionally connected to the club. So anyways, Dan, um, back back to you. But man, it, it does kind of feel like Ruben might need to disconnect himself with Chelsea just to get that huge weight off the shoulders. Would, would Fulham be one of the teams who might be interested in Ruben on like a permanent opportunity, Matt, you know, given the way that he's played for Scott Parker so far. If they, if they stayed up. Um, yeah. I mean, if they, if they go down, I don't think they'd have any chance. They wouldn't be able yeah. to afford it. And he, I don't think he'd be dropping down to the championship, but certainly if they stayed up, he's, he's definitely done well enough at Fulham for them to, to remain interested in them. He's, he's, he's doing well. I know for sure that, that Scott Parker as well thinks there's a lot more, he can get out of Ruben too. So that, and that, you know, it suits him too, because obviously it's around an area that he's used to and things, but look, that the, the reason there wasn't an awful lot of competition for Ruben in the last window when the loan came up was just, it came up late in the end. Um, his injury issues put off a lot of clubs, you know, we're we going to use a loan upon a player who, you know, frankly, his injury history could mean that, we, we don't see him for a lot of the season. That's a big risk for a lot of clubs. If he can come through the season unscathed and do well at Fulham and he did want to leave Chelsea, I think there would be an awful lot of more options for him than there were in, in the summer just gone on that late loan. So, And home and abroad, there'd be loads of clubs. So uh, I don't see Ruben having a problem if he, if he does want to go. Um, 
He'd need to choose carefully though, because he needs what what Ruben really needs is a is a club and a manager. And, and Park and Fulham have done this in him, to be fair. But he needs it long term, a club and a manager who are willing to really trust and invest in him. Um, he can't go somewhere where he's he's dipped in and out and and you know used sparingly. I mean, the other follow-up would be is after uh, a little bit of a successful outing from Christensen against uh, Madrid, um, you know, Rudiger also kind of being in the, the starting 11 on the regular as well. Um, that also might present some challenges for, for Mark Gurhey. And I know he went into the, the low knees, but do you have any update on like what you think is going to happen with the, the three more senior center backs who are not Thiago Silva? Does one go like a Kurt Zuma? Does Everton start scratching the door to see what's available or what's going to happen with him? I'd, I'd imagine as things stand, if things don't change, there's a good chance that, that Kurt Zuma will want to go. Um, he made it pretty clear when he came back from that loan at Everton that he was coming back to play and that if he didn't play, he, he'd want to go again. Um, and, you know, again, it's so funny how things change because there was a stage when when things were going well under Lampard that, that Zuma was clearly Chelsea's best defender and scoring goals and we were talking about Air Zuma and things have just flipped for him at the moment. But they, they could flip back. But if they carry on, I would have thought that Zuma would would want to go. And he's certainly the one that Chelsea would think that they could make a lot of money on in terms of financing a centre-back to come in or financing other business. You know, you're looking at easily £40 million for Zuma, I think, in the current market. But then... It's a really difficult summer for the centre back. It's a big, it's big summer for so many Chelsea players because you know, Christensen will have a year left on his contract. We think that Thiago Silva will will extend his. Rudiger will only have a year on his contract. Is he just going to try and run it down and then try and get a big move at the end of his contract? In which case, the club happy with that situation? I don't know. Um, I I would I think that when push comes to shove two centre-backs will end up leaving. At the moment, I would say one is Zuma, and I don't know on the other one, but I don't see how they can bring one in and not sell two with the contract situations that they have and the, the non-playing situations. All right. Well, we're going to end on a on a not-downer note this time. <laughs> we're we're going to lift it up. Matt, we have... We have interest in in one Matt Law's personal life. How, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> from from Big Nash, from Millhouse. What what do you do to relax? You've you've had a busy time of it. We we need to know what you do to relax. And then, look, what are you gonna do? What you know? So, question in two parts. Relaxing. First thing you do post post lockdown, post COVID lockdown. You're vaccinated. You're ready to go. What's the first thing that's on your mind? Go to the pub. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> pub, 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 the, the dream is the pub. Um, yeah, we're all thinking about that. I mean, this week with now we have in England, we've had what they've called the roadmap. I, look, I'm really lucky. If I was if I was uh, not doing my job that I'm doing, I think going to a football match would be the first thing. And I'm really looking forward to the being able to go back to Villa as a fan. You know, I with my job, I only get to go about five or six times a season. As an actual fan, I see them covering games in London, but in terms of going to Villa Park mm. and just enjoying it with with maybe my dad and sometimes my mum and dad and my children, um, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'm the same as everyone else out there in, in terms of that. Because I've been able to go to football, which I'm ridiculously lucky to do, um, 
yeah, I can't wait to get to the pub and then probably after the pub go on a nice holiday, even if it's just a staycation in England because I'm not sure whether we'll be allowed abroad. In terms of relaxation, hey, guys, I've got a seven- and a six-year-old. Relaxation doesn't happen in my household. <laughs> there's, there's two types of work. There's, there's work with, with my journalism or there's work with the children. There's nothing else. But the work with the children is more fun, clearly, but there's no relaxation going on. <laughs> No, I love it. Staying busy, staying active, and, and living everyone's kind of dream. It ter- Look, Chelsea fans, it turns out Matt can just be a regular guy, too. He's not always just our superhero journalist covering the best club in the world. Uh, appreciate that, Matt. Um, anyways, gentlemen, any other topics you want to touch on before we before we wrap up? Hey, me or you guys? You. I was going to say, Matt, anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to touch the cover before we wrap up? Look, uh, the, the one player who hadn't got a mention in, in this show that I thought might get a mention was Kante again. N'Golo Kante. I mean, I, I put out a tweet before the Atletico Madrid match, which got misunderstood, I thought. Um, I put out that it was just unthinkable before Tuchel came in that, that Kante would be fit for a game like that and wouldn't start. And some people took that as a criticism at Tuchel. It wasn't a criticism at all. It was just a, a sheer fact. I mean, if you'd have said under Conte that for a massive European game, he was going to drop Kante when fit, that would be a huge story. If you said under Sari that he would drop Kante, huge story. Again, I mean, Sari played played Kante probably was when he was only about 50% fit to get through the Europa League final. Um, same with Lampard, you know. He he is the, the player that, that got left over from the sort of Costa Courtois hazard days, who is still the player that was almost like the untouchable. You know, if Kante was fit, Kante is playing. And so to, to line up for a huge Champions League away last 16 game that we knew was going to be an attritional game, for Kante to be on the bench when he's fit and it not be a huge story, to me was just an incredible thing. And it was in no way meant of a criticism of the manager it's just shown again the difference currently in the way the squad is being used Um, and I can't believe I know Kante is a very respectful reserved he's he's really not like a normal footballer Kante can't be happy Kante cannot be happy sitting on the bench I know he got on and I know he will now play the second leg because of the, the Jorginho suspension and I think he's going to play a bit more football over the next few weeks with some big games and a very busy schedule. But Kante himself cannot be happy at being fit and, and starting that game on the bench. I, I, I think it's a massive thing. I, and I, I'm a bit confused as to why it, it's not more of a debate. With, and it doesn't need to be a debate framed in a criticism towards a new manager. It's just a debate that, you know, this, this is the club's highest earner, the star player, the World Cup winner. One one of our World Cup. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, all right. Well, I want to wrap uh, with this because we're not going to get to do a match preview. Chelsea versus Manchester United at the weekend. Quick predictions. Just quick fire, Dan. I don't need your three reasons why. I just want to know win, lose, draw. How are you feeling about this one? Uh, I, think, you know, I think we'll win. All right. Nick? Draw. Draw? Matt? I think Chelsea win. And I just want to say one thing. I, I think Man, Man United are in a massively false position. I, I don't think Man United are, are that great. So I really think a Chelsea win. It's, it's at Stanford Bridge, but we have seen that the home fortress has not been a thing this season without fans. But, yeah, Nick? Can I, 
can I clarify my point? If Harry Maguire is able to elbow uh, people into the goal without any sort of retribution or penalty, then then draw. But if if he's actually called for any of the infractions that he puts out there, then we'll win. <laughs> I, I'm with I'm with Matt Ridiculous. thinking that they're fragile. It doesn't take much though for them to get a call, to get a free kick, to get whatever it is to go their way. But they're in a fragile state right now, so I want to go in with utmost confidence and, and say we get the three points. Um, but they are such a sneaky team, unfortunately. So, anyways, let us know what you think, listeners. We had a lot to cover. Um, obviously, you guys know where to find Matt Law. We retweet him. Uh, we post his stuff as much as we can. So, uh, if you want to get the subscription to follow him, everything you can, we highly encourage it. But we've actually had some people thank us, Matt, that we bring you onto the pod that you do this because they can't always pay for the subscription. So, they just appreciate the little tidbits that you do put out here. So, um, we're glad we're able to, to offer that out there. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. All right, listeners. Well, enjoy the big weekend. Chelsea versus Manchester United is always a huge match. Uh, Go to Twitter. Thank Matt Law for all the knowledge bombs he dropped on us. But that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.